Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, everybody, it's Pete Mitchell. And it's Peyton Jones. And today we got someone with us. His name's Dave Thompson. He's an old friend of mine. Uh, he's a church planner. He's up in the Pacific Northwest, just outside of Bend, Oregon. So not quite as weird as Portland, but uh, it's up in the high desert. Statistically, uh, Central Oregon is the second most unchurched part of the United States. So uh, it's good to have Dave here with us. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, fellas. Good to have you. And uh well, let me let me just kick off um, today and kind of say like a little little bit of a, a background about how I met Dave. Um, when I got off the field in Europe and moved back to America, we had a couple weeks just kicking around California, seeing family, doing the Christmas thing, and we had kind of promised each other, my wife and I, that we were going to go up north and we were uh, going to uh, each write. And uh, we were going to give each other equal time. We had a two-year-old. And so we made the drive, I think it's like an 18-hour drive, from Southern California up to Oregon. And in the car, I remember at one point, we were, we were just in a time of prayer. And I looked at my wife when we were done. I said, look, I will bet you there's a church planner up there. I just, I just have this sense that somewhere there's a church planner up there. And uh, sure enough, you know, Dave and I met. I'll let him tell that story. Uh, we're going to let Dave tell you a lot of his story because his church up here is doing pretty awesome. Um, it's called The Door. And uh, just, you know, I've had the unique opportunity of being able to to see that thing when it was just a sparkle in Dave's eye. And uh, it's just kind of cool to, to to be up here now, to be visiting, to see what it's like. Uh, it's my second visit since it's, it's launched. And uh, it's impressive stuff. So um, anyways... Uh, that's a little bit how I know Dave. Um, one funny thing about Dave and I is that uh, we're we're kind of we're, we're twins separated at birth. Um, I, I would say that other than myself, Dave is the most punk rock pastor I know. 
Um, <laughs> he, he, we, we actually we, we actually could be twins, other than the fact that he can grow hair. And uh, you know, he's we're both kind of short, uh, small in stature, and uh, we uh, you know we both wear docks and dickies and the whole nine yards and. Never forget my last trip up here. I was hanging out with Dave, and he goes, "Dude, I got these new docks." And I go, "Hey, I got some new docks." And I, I and he says, well, "Let me show them to you." And I said, "Well, I got mine in Europe when I was over uh, visiting Wales again." And um, I said, "You know, it'd be trippy if you had the exact same ones I had." And sure enough, Dave goes and picks out his his docks, man. And I mean, everything from like we'll show up, you know, after not seeing each other, we'll have everything from like the same wrist bracelet to the same docs to the same. So it's kind of weird, man. It's like we're looking at a fun fashion book and boom. So anyway, <laughs> so I'm going to shut up now. I'm going to, I'm going to back up and, uh, Dave, man, tell us some of your story. First off, tell us who you are. Tell us uh, a little bit about, you know, your story, how you came to Christ and, uh, boom. Yeah, I, uh, wow. I'm, uh, I'm just a typical knucklehead. Uh, I don't have a background, um, basically, uh, formal training with anything. Um, I'm a high school dropout, never went to college, um, did what most kids do these days. I grew up in Southern California uh, doing the whole skateboard scene, and then I traded in my skateboard to uh, do drugs full-time, and uh, um, that was it. And uh, to make that long story really short, uh, when I was toward the end of, uh, being strung out, uh, really bad, uh, I got popped for a burglary, uh, that I had done a long time ago. And, uh, uh, I ended up getting thrown in San Bernardino institution and, uh, they gave me a deck of cards and a Bible and, uh, that was it. And I hit the Bible under my pillow because I didn't even like it being in my proximity, made me uncomfortable and played the cards for a month and a half. And then I finally pulled out the Bible and started reading in the, uh, the book of Revelation because I remember growing up in church that that book was trippy, like Lord of the Rings trippy. <laughs> and so uh, I started there. I thought it would be non-threatening and weird, and uh, I ended up meeting Jesus. And um, saw, you know, the wrath of God, judgment, whole nine yards, knew I was on the back side, the wrong side of that deal, and uh, um, saw the Lord coming uh, with myriads behind him, and I knew I wanted to be in that camp, and uh, God just showed me the gospel, and uh, I met the Lord. And uh, that was when I was I was uh, young. I was 17 years old when I really committed myself to Jesus at that time. And then I just went on about living, got married, had kids, uh, tried to work uh, for a living, having no background, no education. Everything was grunt work. I worked in wood mills up here, moving from uh, Los Angeles up to, up to Central Oregon and uh, uh, remained in church um, and uh, started hosting a Bible study in our house. And uh, the next thing I knew, I, I started having this real love for Scripture and for the Word of God, which is really weird because I've never read a book cover to cover in my entire life, and I really found myself desiring and thirsting after the Word. Let me interrupt you real quick because um, there is a book that, that you have read a couple times, right? <laughs> oh, you mean yours? This is shameless plug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Church Zero. Yeah, because it was so good, you had to read it a couple times. I, I, I read it. I got to be honest. I read it three times, and um, and I don't. Yeah, yeah. Which which is a total. Um, that that is a big deal coming from me. And the first time I read it, it was uh, 
it was actually two books technically, I think. And uh, it was yeah. really, really thick. And so, yeah, I, I have read that book several times. <laughs> the the reality sure. is, I mean, you know, that was just my, my, my unashamed, uh, shameless blood. But the reality is, Dave, you, you were actually the first person to read the book, period. And, yeah, that yes. was before my agent cut it in two and said, hey, man, this thing's like 900 pages. <laughs> exactly. I, I read both of them. Like, yes. Yeah. And they were both so, great. <laughs> So, Sorry. so yeah, Sorry. so, so I did actually read that and actually that, that brings us to a point, uh, you know, of where I met Peyton, actually, if I can, if I can run that down, I, I was, I, I started, uh, leading Bible studies out of the home. Uh, one thing progressed to another and I started getting just more serious, pressing into Jesus in a way that I never had, uh, bringing my family with me and the whole nine yards living in Sun River and having a burden to be more and to do more for Jesus, but not knowing what that was like. Because quite honestly, as I looked at the whole system of how church was done and the churches I had been in, I knew that I didn't fit the bill uh, for, for any open position. Uh, I knew I was kind of a maverick. I was viewed as kind of a, a, a cowboy. And again, I was just very raw and, and rough as far as the way I, I did ministry. Uh, I have a heart for the down and outers natu- naturally. And at the time, I was in a church that was very conservative here in Sun River Resort Church. And this is actually where I met Peyton is, uh, uh, um, it, you know, I would say the average age is probably 70, 75, well-off, retired people. That's why they come here. Um, and so one Sunday I go in and this guy comes in and sits in front of me uh, and he was bald-headed with a pair of Doc Martens and he puts his arm up around his wife and he's got this Batman ring on. And I remember just <laughs> thinking this dude is lost. You know, he, he doesn't belong here and he's not coming back. And, uh, and that was the first time I had saw you and, um, and then you and I, of course, uh, hit it off after that service. And that was, uh, um, the beginning of, um, I would say, uh, just a huge encouragement, a huge kick in the butt that I needed, uh, to start stepping out of faith and, and doing what I thought God, uh, had wanted me to do by planning a church was, uh, was when you came along. And so, um, there's a whole, you know, long God story there, obviously, uh, but that that loosely brings us to to where we're at. So, <laughs> so I'm the church planner now. Yeah, and you know it's so funny because at that time I remember Dave. It was kind of like um, you had everything you needed. Like you were you were ready to go. You just didn't know you were ready to go. Right. And a lot of times with church planning, it's so funny because uh, there's this book that was put out years ago by the Vineyard called Coaching Church Planners. And I was telling Andrea today, I go, you know, I read that book and it's all the stuff that you do instinctively. I said, I, I didn't really learn much, you know, out of that book because uh, when you're called to coach church planners, you just instinctively do certain things. And in the beginning quote is a guy in there where he says, uh, people will often ask me, um, can you uh, kind of document the steps I take or can you put an outline for how I coach church planners? And he said, you know, really, the um, it, it, that's kind of like asking me the question, uh, can you produce an outline for me on how to do friendship? And 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 I just thought that was really profound because uh, with co- with church planning, often what it is is you're coming alongside somebody, kind of like the the Holy Spirit. You're, you're being used by the Holy Spirit to come alongside. You're not doing it for them. They have everything they need. They've received the calling. 
They've received the equipping. They've received the empowering. And then you come along kind of like a Paul, and what you do is what Paul did for Timothy. You really just give him permission. All it is yeah. is that you're a little bit further down the road. It's not that you're an expert. We always right. say that new breed. It's not that you're an expert. It's just that you've kind of like we say in new breed that you've jumped out of the airplane and you've exactly. left to tell the town. So you, you're able to help other guys that are nervous about jumping out of the airplane. And, and really, if nothing else, I think one of the main things is, like I said about Paul with Timothy, just to say you can do this. Kind of like Jesus. He's constantly taking those 12 guys and he's affirming them. And with church planning, it is daunting. It, it is probably the most daunting thing. And you're just thinking, I, I don't know, Dave, I mean, I, I should probably be asking you the question here, but I mean, uh, you're now on the other side of a, of a very successful church plant. And um, it's kind of like uh, at that time, you, you, you just, you feel like I'm, I'm sure I'm missing something here. It can't be that simple as just to have a calling by God, being equipped by the Holy Spirit, and having the, the, the courage to go, the faith to actually launch out. So That's exactly um, what it is, yeah. Yeah, it's just taking, yeah. taking the step. I felt completely inadequate. I felt like I didn't have what I needed. Um, I, read every, uh, I, read, I read pieces of every church planning book that people would throw at me and found that, um, that there's absolutely no formula. That's what basically all that told me. And, um, and so, yeah, I, it was, it was really the faith thing, uh, like part faith, part obedience, but that's the biggest thing that Newbury that you did to me when God brought you into my life was you, you said, you know, Hey, I jumped and check it out. I'm still here. And, uh, and therefore I was able to bounce things off you. And, uh, it was just that glimmer of hope again, that, that God can take someone like me and, uh, and, and, and make something happen if that's what he desires to do. And so that, that was what helped push me over the line and say, okay, I'm going to take a run at this thing. Was, uh, hey, Dave, was, it, yes. if you would, can you kind of uh, walk us through, how did you know you were being called to plant a church? Like, what, what happened where you are like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah, um, like I had said, I, was, I, was, uh, I ended up uh, with a real craving for the Word of God, and so I started leading Bible studies. And the next thing I knew, um, I had done some prison ministry, and uh, actually I got, I got room through the uh, uh, clean off dope. Uh, God took me to the, the rooms of NA, a uh, 12-step program. And so I ended up having these connections outside of the church in the 12-step forum. And like I said, my heart was really for these down-and-outers. And so uh, the next thing I knew, uh, I was at a Calvary Chapel in 1996 uh, going, there needs to be something more than a 12-step program. There needs to be something Bible-based that does the same type of thing. And I ended up stealing the most excellent way, finding out that Mike McIntosh down in San Diego had started something like that. And, um, and the next thing I knew, I was, I was leading this, um, this drug and alcohol ministry, this redemption group uh, back then. And then I started being asked to speak at different churches, different church functions, youth rallies. And people started telling me that I had a, a gift of preaching, which is the one I didn't, I didn't want that. I didn't want the gift of teaching or preaching because <laughs> I, I get, I, seriously, I get diarrhea if I get in front of two people. I, I mean, I, I hate it. I can't stand getting in front of people and doing that. And so um, actually for, for many years, there was people confirming and reconfirming um, just the people that knew me, the people around me, you know, just like we see with Paul and the elders around Timothy. Uh, it's the people that, that know us uh, and look at our lives on the outside that sometimes have the, the clearest, uh, you know, picture. 
of who we are and what God's doing with us and calling us to do. And so I had these people speaking into my life, and, and honestly, for years, I just hid from it because I, I didn't want to step out in a, I didn't want to be in a prominent position in, in, inside or outside the church. I, di- I didn't want to, I just don't have the boldness. I just kind of want to be the guy that sits back in the shadows and, and kind of just d- does what I need to do to get by uh, without any struggle. And uh, um, I, I finally, um, we moved down to the Sun River area from Bend, which is, like I mentioned earlier, it's a resort area. And the only church, uh, real solid Bible-based church in the area, is in the resort itself. It's called uh, uh, Community Bible Church, and, it, and it's a great church. And so we started fellowship, uh, fellowshipping there. I started working with the youth, but I lived on the other side of the track, so to speak. In the Sun River area, you have the resort, and then you have the river, and then you have a whole different demographic on the other side of the river, which is, um, you know, common people <laughs> and uh, yeah. people who are struggling, poor, strung out, uh, the whole nine yards. And that's where I live with my family. And I started noticing that none of those people that I knew from my neighborhood would come into the resort for church. In fact, none of them would go to church. And so there was this humongous disconnect, which was obvious. There was a disconnect between, I I don't know if it was image or uh, just the way things are done, however you want to say it, right or wrong, uh, there was no connection from the people in that church and the way that they did Christianity and the way that they presented themselves the common people and the people outside. And I knew immediately yeah. that there was a dark spot um, in, yeah. in that area. And so I started studying the demographic and, and looking at it. And I, and I told, I remember telling God, you know, five years ago, I mean, I remember looking up and going, man, God, this, this, this field is right. You ought to send somebody to handle this. And I knew, and I knew that it was me in the back of my mind, but I just, I didn't want to go there. And, uh, and then God finally had his way uh, with me. And I knew that I had to plan. I knew that, God had brought me down here for that for that specific reason at that point, and it was just a matter of me uh, throwing up my white flag and surrendering and uh, and stepping out. And that's when the pieces started to come together with Peyton coming into my life, um, uh, along with a few other key things that that was just confirmation that God was moving now on this thing, and uh, and it happened. So, you know, it's it's funny because. Um, just talking about um, the the Bible Church here in Sun River, uh, Community Bible Church. The, the pastor Glenn Schumlaffel is a great guy. Um, yep. He's a MacArthurite. I call them MacArthurites. You know, they're they're from Master's <laughs> Seminary. Um, you know, and 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 he's such a cool guy. But you know, you could not find two more different guys um, than Dave and Glenn standing next to each other. And what's we're cool? We saddle our horses differently. That's what he. That was. That's what he said one day when he uh, introduced me. He said that that we saddle our horses differently. <laughs> Absolutely. Totally theologically, different. yeah. Theologically, you guys are very aligned. But but like Glenn would wear um, a you know a suit and tie on a Sunday morning, whereas Dave would wear you know probably a misfit shirt on a Sunday morning. So <laughs> you're you're talking about two completely different types of guys. And what's cool about it is that God called Glenn to reach uh, this community of, of mainly retirement community. And, and Mark yep. Driscoll brought up the point that if you were going to Florida, the church plant, um, in certain parts of Florida, you, the most radical, missiological thing you could do is play pipe organ, wear a suit, and sing out of a hymn book. And probably use the authorized version, the old King James. 
And so Glenn is very appropriately reaching the community that God's called him to. Absolutely, very effectively. It was so glaringly obvious, though, that there was these other people, and often church plants, you know, it's not that there's not a good, solid, evangelical, Bible-teaching church. Glenn Shumwafel, if anything, is evangelical, solid, and a Bible teacher. But there was this need, um, and, and I can remember kind of brokering the deal. That's what I like to call it, is when I'm sitting down with um, the sinning pastor and the, the planner, because what remember that day? Dave, we were in the subway, and uh, we were meeting just to talk over particulars because uh, I loved you, and I, I loved Glenn, and what was cool is I had spent four and a half months up here and gotten to know both of you, and, and, and what was neat about it was that uh, Glenn had certain things that, you know, it were hard for him to, to kind of say. Like, in other words, he was the sending pastor, so he didn't want to have to say things like, hey, don't take all my cool people. And, right. you know, and, and you're, you had things where you're like, well, I want to take this guy. And so sometimes you need a guy to kind of broker that deal. And so, you know, what we were able to do was to kind of say, well, look, you know, um, you know, find out what Glenn's vision was. Glenn said, ultimately, we're, we're really behind church plan. One day we want to see more churches planted out in this community. And so, you know, we had to kind of draw up a thing about this is how many people, uh, you know, you can take. These are the, and Glenn was extremely generous, you know? Um, yeah. I, I ended up asking for three families, I think out of that. And, uh, I had prayed about them for, um, for weeks about the people who God would have me take. And he actually said, you know, you can take a few people and make sense. You're going to need a core group. You're going to need some help. And so he, he understood all that. And I understand his, is reluctance. And so I ended up coming out with three families that I really felt like God had put on my heart and, uh, and, uh, he didn't want me to take any of them. <laughs> they were all yeah. choice families, you know? And, uh, so I ended up individually taking, he gave me his approval on them. And I individually, I took these families out, uh, to dinner and vision cast and shared the vision on these family uh, to these families and basically told them it's, it's, it's about as, as different, as what you know to be true right now about church and doing church. And I laid out what it looked like. And um, only one of them came. Uh, and it was the one I, I, I thought would not come. <laughs> and the other two yeah. said, that's a little too crazy for us. Uh, so we're going to yeah. hold off. And now they're both there. They both, uh, all three of them are there. They all three ended up coming, but only one initially came. And then we went out, I stood up in front of CBC and shared the vision of the church plant with the church one Sunday morning and told them not to come. So yeah, I told them they could not come. You, you actually <laughs> said, I don't want to see you there. I want you to pray. And this is kind of one of the cool things, because I remember being at uh, Martin Lloyd Jones's church in Sandfields, and same thing. It was a traditional church. It was a large church. Uh, it was a church with a lot of history. Um, it, it was it was a, a, a financially well-off church. Um, had a lot of things, you know, that, uh, you know, had a lot of, of, of I would say, weaknesses, but it had some strengths, but its overriding strength was the same as Community Bible Church, and that was um, it had a very loving congregation. And I think yeah. that's that's kind of one of those things when you when the sending church has that uh, kind of sense of community. Um, you know, it, it, one of the things we told Glenn was we said, "Look, here's what we could do, and uh, we we could take like a, a certain number of families so that." As the the sending church is kind of you know hey we're gonna we're gonna foster this we're gonna support this that what happens is you can rotate people into the church plant 
and yeah. you rotate them in and you rotate them back. And so they come on maybe like a you know one month or eight week basis, and then they bring some of the the dynamism, some of the 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 edginess, some of that back to the other church. In other words, this new church plant, which has all this kind of life and uh, vigor and this evangelistic edge, that that gets fed back into uh, the mothership. And so that that's one thing that can happen uh, yep. when you're doing this. So okay, so hey, tell us tell us the story about the door, man. So. Here you were. I can remember. Um, there we were sitting. I remember your very first core team meeting. Um, I had the privilege of being at that. A bunch of people came over to your house, and you were just kind of giving them a little introduction. And, of course, uh, Dave's wife, Carrie, uh, has an amazing gift of hospitality. She, I, I told him that I said, how is it everything in your, in your house tastes good? Your food just tastes better in your house. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> but but you guys were there. Let's go back to let's go back to kind of tell us the story of the door. What happened from from that point on? Yeah, from uh, from that point, we knew uh, that we were going to do this thing. We knew that God was behind it. Even uh, I don't even know how to explain that, other than um, it, it was almost you know I know people may get all kooky at this. It, it was it, a vision's the best way I could describe it. Is once I once I had resigned to do it, doing my Lord's bidding and, uh, and knew that I was supposed to step out and, and, uh, plant this church. I saw it happen as if it had already happened. It was just, it was just mm-hmm. like, um, I, I don't even know how to say it other than that. It was as if it had already happened. Uh, it, uh failure wasn't even, you know, a, a, a question. Um, it, it was weird how everything fell in place and how the Lord, uh, guided every detail. He went before us in every step of it and showed us exactly what to do and how he wanted us to do it. And uh, immediately there were, there were, I was being put in contact with neighbors, people in the community down here, and conversations would even effortlessly come up to where it was like, oh, check this out. You know, here's what we're doing. And I think our first core group meeting, we had maybe 20 people, maybe 25 people. And uh, there were some people that were excited. One of them was a dude that wasn't even saved, and he was excited. And I have no idea why. It was a weird thing. It was actually Bobby down around the corner. And uh, Bobby's a guy that had been uh, fighting, you know, liver failure and heart failure for seven years. They had told him six years prior that he had six months to live, and this dude was hanging on. And uh, my kid played with his kid, and he was all excited that we were starting this thing. And they were at the first uh, core group meeting. And uh, we started meeting at my house and doing what Peyton told me to do. Vision cast, vision cast, and vision cast. Every week, people got vision casting, uh, along with a strong dose of Acts. So we started opening up Acts and just expositing the book of Acts and making observations as far as how the kingdom of God grew like wildfire in a short amount of time. And uh, that was our template. I mean, that was our our blueprint. Um, And... um, before we knew it, uh, we were overflowing out of the house. Uh, we knew that we wanted to be in the heart of the community. Uh, we also knew that we did not want to take people's money and go in debt with it. We knew that we just our conviction is that that's not what people's money's for in the church. It's to go back to the people. It's to uh, directly uh, serve the kingdom of God and do the work of God with his people. And so we knew that we didn't want to get something all lavish and crazy. Uh, we knew that we wanted to be portable. Uh, so that we can move if we need to move, that we could be extremely flexible. 
And so there's a little, um, if you come to Sun River, there's nothing here. I mean, the heart of the community is there, there's one little area, there's one stop, one signal with a gas station, a library, a school, and uh, I think a couple of sandwich shops, a hardware shop. That's it. It's just a little loop. And there's a strip mall in there. And years ago, there was this little coffee house in the strip mall. I remember going in there, and it had shut down. And that place had been a ghost town for about four years. And, and, and again, it was one of those things where God was just telling me, you're going to be in here. I, I didn't even question it. And so I would go down every week and just pray you know, outside of this place, over the place. And the next thing we knew, uh, a couple months after the core group being established and meeting in our home, is we, uh, we got a hold of the realtor down there, and we made an offer on the place. I think that the square footage at that time was going for like 93 cents a square foot or something like that, and uh, we couldn't afford that. And so we counter-offered with uh, uh, 37 uh, um, cents a square foot, which was ridiculously low. We knew it was impossible, but that's all we had. And they came back and they said, that's way too low. We can't do that. And we said, well, uh, thanks a lot, and put our hand out to shake it. And they said, okay, we'll do it. And uh, that was it. So we got into this place, and uh, we ended up actually creating a, a, a coffee house uh, outreach. We wanted some kind of a common ground uh, to actually meet uh, a place that created relationship and created community uh, with people in the community, uh, maybe a place that wasn't, you know, just directly threatening. And, and I mean, it's the Northwest, so coffee, it was, it was a no-brainer. And uh, yeah. so um, we ended up having stuff donated to us, again, so that we didn't go in debt and tie the people's money up into things that, uh, that weren't necessities. Uh, in the church, didn't, and, they, uh, didn't somebody uh, didn't somebody actually donate an espresso machine to you? Yeah, we were we were actually um, we were meeting with uh, uh, Doug is is one of the co pastors uh, at the door, and uh, he was going to a, a different church in Bend at the time called the Fellowship of Bend with Pastor Lauren Anderson, great dude, uh, great fellowship, and we were meeting with him um, a couple uh, a few weeks in just sharing our vision with him and telling him what we were doing. You know, hey, if you, you, you if you got a bone you can throw to us, cool, we'll take it. Be praying for us. Here's what we're doing. You know, just trying to lock arms with him and get him to lock arms with us. And uh, we basically had this conversation, prayed together and left. And there was a series of events that were leading us to believe that maybe we weren't supposed to focus on this coffee house thing. And so us three pastors, me, Brent, and Doug, came out of that dude's office. And we stood in front of the office. We were all about to get into our cars to leave. And we were all just feeling like, you know what, we're not, we're, we need to throw this coffee house thing out, out the window and put a blanket over it because there, there's just discouragement there. It doesn't look like God's going that way. And we all started praying. And Lauren comes running out immediately at that time, ran out of the front door. And he goes, oh, great, I caught you. He goes, hey, it just hit me. Someone gave me an espresso machine seven years ago. And I never used it. And it's sitting in my shed. Would you guys like it? And it's the $7,000 Italian, I mean, just Cadillac of uh, espresso awesome. machines. And, and I mean, the timing was exactly that. It was a burning bush thing. And we just looked up yeah. and said, okay, you are doing this. We're going to follow you. But, and so, but the door yeah. is kind of, a, the door is really one series. You know, it was kind of like you and I had a chat once. And I remember you asked me, is it, is it hard? And I there was a couple things. Number one, I said, yeah. In, in one sense, like I always tell my core teams, get ready for life to fall apart, man. And we can we can come back to that and talk about that a bit because I, I think that night when you called your core team, I said that to everybody. Yeah. Get ready for life to fall apart. But at the same time, 
uh, you're seeing all these miraculous one miracle after another, and you exactly. know the Lord's in it. So it's it's not it, it it's kind of like it's 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 balanced out. The the fact you've got this incredible demonic attack is also balanced out by the fact that there is a supernatural power of God stuff going on. And, exactly. uh, and and the door's kind of been like that. Tell me about like uh your so so there were all these series of miracles where God I mean, you guys have a coffee shop actually in the community and um uh it's called the door. It's pretty hopping place now. Um, you guys are always, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it because, you know, I, I know how it is, Dave. You're kind of like me. You don't want to, even though I give shameless plugs for my book, um, you, uh, <laughs> right, my family's starving. No, I'm teasing. But, uh, but, but the fact that you're, you know, you're, you're not going to just come out and say all this. You're not going to say, well, you know, the church has grown to this, but it needs to be said. Um, you guys are always blowing out walls. You guys, I can remember eating chicken and biscuits. Um, when we first gotten here in in the restaurant where you guys are meeting, but you guys started over doors down, and now you've like wrapped around this entire strip mall, and you're blowing <laughs> yeah, the doors out of that place. There's a joke going that that we're that will in the in the next year at some point we're we're actually going to buy the entire strip mall, which I've seen God do crazier things. Uh, it, <laughs> that one scares me because we really are trying to grow out instead of up, but uh, it's true. You know, I think our first public Sunday service uh, in the in the public facility, I think we had about 45 people present in the core group, and uh, and within eight months, we, uh, we, we grew to about 140, uh, and most of those were not transfer growth. We, we are uh, kind of like what you've done, where we, we, we would have people come in to visit because everyone wants to ride the new ride, and we don't like musical chairs. Christianity. And so we'd have people come in, we'd smile, we'd shake their hand, we'd say, thanks for visiting, pray for us, go back to where you came from type thing. And we weren't mean about it, but we were really going after the unchurched. We were really going after the non-believer, the people that hated church, religion, God, and everything that they knew about that stuff are who we're really trying to grab. And uh, so within about um, about eight months, we we grew by about 100 people. Um, Most of them uh, were brand new converts, people who swore they'd never walk into a church again, people that grew up in the church and had a bad church experience because they had legalistic parents or whatever the case was. And so it was that kind of growth which really excited us. And we were, we were almost, we were seeing people, you know, meet Jesus almost every week. And uh, we, we started in the Book of Romans, and so we, it was our intention um, to, 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 to start and end at the cross every single week. Uh, which we did. Um, I think we, we, we baptized um, about 30 people in the first uh, few months, um, and it just, it just happened. And again, it's, it's, just, it's, it's not because we did something right or had a formula, but I, I think it was just confirmation, uh, again, that there was a need in this area that, that wasn't being met yet um, mm. you know, by God's people. And the field was ripe. He just wanted a couple workers, you know, and and so we really can't we can't take credit for any of that. But it has no. grown really fast, really fast. But I mean, you you, you know, really I've, have. I've got a couple of. Oh. Let me ask you a couple of quick questions here, because one of the questions that I've got for you, Dave, is um, you mentioned that you started this whole thing out with a core team, yeah. but yet your sending pastor said you could only take these three families, and only one of them came. So. Yeah. Who made up the rest of that core team? We had, um, I had a lot of connections uh, in the community from living here prior to that. 
We knew uh, there were people that knew us. Um, I mean, it's it's funny. I had people five or seven years prior to doing this that were saying, "If you ever start a church, when that happens, we're there." I mean, and it was like, "Well, you then you won't ever be there because I'm never starting a church." I mean, we had those type of relationships with people, and so some of those people got actually reintroduced back into my life at that time. And some of them were people that lived in the community. And um, I, a couple of them were, were, were actually plugged into another fellowship at the time. And it was something that we all prayed about together and even went to their pastors and prayed about. So I wasn't, I wasn't just jacking people from other churches. And so it was made up from, from um, other brothers and sisters that I had connections with over the years um, where the timing was just right for everybody. And then um, some of them were, were neighbors that weren't even going to church anymore at all. They claimed to be believers, um, but they were so just over the church experience that, that they didn't care if they ever walked in one again. And, um, mm. and it, it excited them. I, I, I think the key to getting those people was that it was a brand new work. There wasn't something established. There wasn't a system in place. Um, you know what I mean? They were like, whoa, yeah. there's a lot of potential here. And that made it... Um, um, just extremely appealing to some of the people that, uh, that were sick of it. Um, and so that, that's pretty much what made up our, you know, our, our 25 to, to 30 people. Um, the, you know, the other thing that you mentioned is that you kept casting the vision to the core team. What was the vision that you were telling them? I mean, what, what was it that you were casting out to them saying, this is what we're doing? Yeah. The, the, the vision was, um, Everything needs to, everything needs to come back to Jesus Christ. Um, a lot of people, I think, look at the the institution of church these days, and and it it sickens them just by what they see because we've created. And I'm not bagging on it. I, I love the church. I'm not trying to put down God's church. Nothing like that. There's great churches out there that are that are doing the work. But we get so caught up in pomp and circumstance and how things are done um, that I that I think we've really. Um, to a large part, we've really put away um, the, the true message of the cross, the emphasis of the cross, and the fire that we need to have in delivering that message. And, and, and so uh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, that was the sum total uh, uh, of my vision casting. I mean, it's no secret or, or nothing new. I was pushing, pushing, pushing why the church was left on earth. Why is the church here? What's the primary purpose of the church being on earth? And what's Jesus waiting for to collect his bride? And it's all about uh, uh, creating the fullness of the bride. It's all the whole reason we're here. The very thrust of it is that uh, uh, that we see people get saved. That we go to the ends of the earth, all the dark spots, all the corners, uh, underneath all the rocks, and and we put Jesus before people and ask them to do something with him. And people got behind that. And it was I think it was so profoundly simplistic, <laughs> yeah, that, that people just went, yeah, I mean, it, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the gospel going out. And so that was the vision casting that we weren't going to be about this, that, and the other. We weren't going to be about how many programs we could create or how cool we could do things or how cutting edge we could be. This was going to be about how we can get the gospel in front of anybody and everybody around us. And, um, people like that lights went off and, uh, that was it. Hmm. So, um, and, and um, and again, it's the same challenge we have to stay on mission and keep our vision pure today is as the church grows, you know, um, you guys know how it is, you know, uh, things get complex and it's so easy 
for for the vision to get diluted and lost and even shelved because, oh, I'm at a new stage now, so now I can move into this, that, and the other. And the enemy's always putting those carrots in front of us to get us off of right. mission, which is Matthew 28. <laughs> and so um, that that was it. And, uh, and again, we coupled that with going through the book of Acts, and guess what we saw there? We saw Matthew 28 lived out. And we saw this radical revolution, you know, that turned the, the world upside down for the Lord. And uh, we just, we want to be a part of that. We want to, we want to witness that in our midst. And uh, a lot of these people just said, right on, we want to witness that too. And so uh, we're just ridiculously simple <laughs> in our, in our vision, in our mission. And uh, it's the gospel. So how long did it take to go from doing the Bible study in your house, meeting with the core group in your house to, uh, you know, using another facility to, to meet with people. You said you, you launched in your first public, you had yeah. like 45 people at it. How, we, had our, we had our first um, core group meeting in, in my living room uh, in August of um, 2011. Uh, and we uh, had our first public meeting in um, October of 2011. So we met um, weekly in our living room until we couldn't fit. And, um, I mean, the church had already started, obviously. Uh, That was the church gathering. Uh, People were already spreading the word. People were already witnessing. Um, People were already hearing about it. And and so we're talking, what is that, two months? Um, We're only in about two months. Yeah. So um, that's how long it took. Yeah. And like I said, we just, we just went down, we put in a bid on this place. We really felt like God, I really felt like God wanted us in this one particular facility. And, and he did, he just, he made it, he made it happen. And we got in and we took uh, two, two suites. It was a strip mall. So we took two suites right next to each other. One was the coffee house already set up for a coffee house. And the other one was our meeting room. And it's kind of, it was kind of um, the equivalent of meeting on a school bus. It was it was kind of long, kind of narrow, really small, and so we were jamming like a hundred chairs in there, and uh, and then as we grew, 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 we just kept taking. Luckily, the strip mall was hurting, and and like I said, a ghost town. So as we grew, we would just take the suites next to us and just keep popping walls out, and uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. In fact, we can't. We're at a place now where we can't pop any more walls out. So you either start going to multiple services or you plant, which is my boat, <laughs> is to plan out, you know, already. Yeah. And uh, so we're, you know, that's where we're at. Um, yeah. So, Dave, how how quickly, um, like, uh, so you mentioned about baptizing 30 people in the first few months. Um, how many people are coming through the door of the door right now? Uh, right now, we... Uh, say we average about 175, which is how many seats we have. <laughs> and um, we find, you know, up here, like I think most places, I don't think it's the actual area on the map. I think it's just the generation. Uh, people are just mm-hmm. noncommittal, you know. So we even have people coming around that, that love the Lord, uh, love the door. They're excited about the work that's going on. That's their home. But you see them every other week or once a month. You know, um, and uh, so it's weird how God balances that. There's always a yeah. huge group of regulars um, that are that are gone every week, and then a huge group of 
um, visitors. So, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're running consistently 170, 175 right now, which is, which is tight in there. And then overflow goes into the coffee house. Um, you know, we got speakers set up back there and, and a TV. So, uh, it's, it's a small facility. It's not big. And so we can't, we can't do much with it. I I always call that the church planting pistons at work. You know, you've got, you know, if you look at an engine of a a car, you've got the pistons, you know, when half of them go up, the other half go down. And uh, that's how it seems, you know, but, you know, hey, just like a motor, man, those pistons go up and down. That's what motor still keeps running, you know. Exactly, uh, exactly. It's just normal. So for church planters out there, you know, maybe you're dealing with like 30 people and uh, you got 20 every week, or maybe you got 40 people, but 20 are in the room, and you just think, man, if they'd all come, we'd have 40, and that's, like, huge to you. Just know that that's always going to happen uh, yeah. regardless of how many people you have. Uh, the statistics in America are that people, the average evangelical attends church only twice a month, and, you know, some pastors think, what am I doing wrong? You know, am I this, am I that? Unfortunately, that's just where people are at. You know, it's kind of their... Uh, their attitude towards church in general. But I think with the church plan, um, by, by, by and large, I, I believe that uh, people realize, when, at least there will always be a core, core team of people that go, hey, this is kind of like a soccer game, you know. Um, I've, I've got to be there, you know. I I've, I've, can't let the team down. We're, we're on mission. The people that realize that they're on mission tend to be there every week because they yeah. understand this isn't for me. This is for other people. I've got to go and join the team and we have got to score a goal for the kingdom. Exactly. What was your, what was your original vision or, or maybe better question is how did it, how has it worked with the coffee house? Because a lot of people who are going to listen to this don't understand when they hear you say, you know, we've got this coffee house and we do a church. What do you mean by that? Do you mean we serve coffee on Sundays, or is it during the week? I mean, yeah, what's the, the coffee, coffee house? It's an interesting one. Um, the concept was how um, how are we able to provide uh, uh, an open door all week long to the community to get into people's lives and to get to know people on a level where they're comfortable with us? How do we create relationships? Because, you know, the church typically... They, they have a public place where they meet once a week. And in that time, they're not, they're not really interacting directly with the community. And so I, I, really, I really felt like God wanted us to do something more. And I know the coffee house can look pretty gimmicky to a lot of people. In fact, at times I thought maybe that's what it was for us. Uh, but the idea was to have a hub um, because, like I said, we deal with a lot of down-and-outers. We perfectly go after the down-and-outers. We call it trench work. Uh, we're going after, uh, you know, the, the druggies, the alkies, uh, the, the, the single parent, um, you know, moms raising their kids. Uh, we deal with a lot of domestic violence stuff up here. We want those people. We want the people that don't, that won't walk into a church and that even other churches don't want to walk into. Yeah. And, um, and so we thought, how do we create a hub? If we're going to have people with volatile lives, fragile backgrounds coming in here, um, once a week ain't enough. I know that for me. I know that I need somewhere where I can go whenever uh, I, I feel like garbage or when I'm scared or when I need to be prayed for or when I need to talk to somebody. And so that, that was, it, it wasn't initially like, hey, we got to do a coffee house. It, it was initially, how do we have a hub? 
that's available for the people all week long. And the coffee house made the most sense. So um, really, it, it serves as a hub. It's open during the week. Um, we do not let the coffee house run us. It's not a business. It's a ministry. So it does make money, but it's, it's part of the door. And so that money is, is directly connected with the church side of it. It all funnels into one place. And so it's actually Dude, kind of, you, it's yeah, actually sorry, our, tent, our tent making ministry is, uh, uh, among other things. It's not just a hub, but we actually pay our bills that way. <laughs> so it's, so, it's so kind of how the people that, with the people that are staffed there, are they, um, are they staff? Like, are they on payroll? Do they get paid for it? Or is it they're, just purely volunteer? They're purely volunteer. Um, and that's actually another cool thing about it is um, a lot of people find, we found that in that environment, that coffee house environment, there's people that actually want to serve. They actually think it's cool to, to work in a coffee house. And so not only does, it, does the coffee house create ministry to the community outside, the non-believer, the unchurched, and not only is it a hub for our people to come in and be able to see someone and be around someone whenever they need to, but it's also a ministry, an active ministry for people that are coming in, plugging into the church, meeting the Lord, and then they want a way to serve that's practical and organic. And uh, so it's, it's a ministry in front of the counter and behind the counter. And so um, it's volunteer. So we have quite a few people that, that know the ins and outs of it that are managers. We have three. Um, and then we have a bunch of volunteers that come in underneath those managers. Nobody's paid. Uh, there's a tip jar out there, and they, I think they split up the tips at the end of the day. Um, but everyone that's in there is in there to serve, not to be served. And, um, and so that's how it works. Um, if we ever were to get busier and crazier, it would be nice to be able to staff somebody. Um, but we, we don't right now. It's all volunteer. And we've, we've cut a day. We used to be five days a week. Um, now we're four. Um, again, if it ever becomes burdensome on the people, um, then, you know, it's, it's no, it's no question which one goes, you know, we cut back the coffee house. So, um, that's how it works right now. Yeah. And, uh, you, you really have seen quite a, a number of radical people. I mean, you, you may want me to edit this out later. Um, but the fact is you, uh, you, I mean, you've, you've seen a porn star come to faith. Uh, former porn star, you've, uh, there was a, the story about the gentleman in prison. That's quite a, quite a, I've never heard a story like that before. That, uh, there was a little bit of a vengeance with, uh, Doug's son and everything like that. And yep. that guy came to faith and he, you know, you, you want yeah, we've to seen God or is that a little bit? No, no, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> well, you, you tell that story real quick because, uh, well, that's it's, just it's, one, one amongst, you know, many of the stories that have come out of the door. And I mean, just even the other day, like, let me just say this before you tell this story. The other day, shameless plug for church zero I was talking to somebody who said, Hey, I gave it to my buddy who's an atheist. And he read it and he said, man, I would go to a church like that. Um, the whole new breed concept of church isn't new breed. It's not, it's, you know, like we always say it's old school. It's the book of acts old school. It's yeah. the kind of thing where people are just being pulled out of every lifestyle imaginable but, you know, even, even yesterday I was talking with, or is the day before yesterday, I was talking with an ex-Navy SEAL, and he had a little bit of PTSD, uh, you know, has been struggling, suffering for six years, trying to figure out what I'm going to do next, you know, got his hand blown, um, boom, boom, boom. And as I'm talking to him, I just start telling him about the door. And because uh, we were literally like 
you know, a two minute walk from the door when, when I met him and just started telling me, he's like, I'll be there Sunday. Boom. <laughs> you know, guys, like, you know, it, there's just a, there's a sense that the Holy spirit is moving and yeah. drawing people up here. And yeah. there is that. And I felt this when I first met you, that the Holy spirit was just, you know, kind of like it says in Genesis one, where he was hovering on the waters, the word in the, in the Hebrew, when it says that he's hovering is, is kind of like a, uh, like a mother, um, uh, bird who's kind of, uh, she's, she's over top of her, uh, her young and she's fanning them. You know, her re- wings are vibrating. Sometimes she cools them like that. And, uh, there's this whole sense of, you know, there's this movement, this kind of just vibrating, just there's movement, but it's not, it's not flight yet. You know, it's just kind of like getting ready to take off something happening. And uh, that was a sense in Sun River. So tell that story, man, because that's just one of many things that the Holy Spirit's done up here. Yeah, it was pretty early on. And uh, the pastor's sons, uh, my son and Pastor Doug's son and Pastor Brent's son, they're all about the same age, and they had gone out and got an apartment together. And it was in a, a pretty gnarly part of town of Bend. Uh, there's lots of drugs that run in these complexes. Um, and lots of people are paroled into these complexes. And one night there was a dispute uh, between uh, one kid and Pastor Doug's kid where this kid actually broke into um, Pastor Doug's uh, son's apartment and uh, assaulted him and tried to uh, steal some stuff. And uh, they beat him up pretty good. And, uh, and this kid that came in, his dad actually came over once the cops came and the whole thing settled and he came over drunk and he was yelling at these kids and um, actually making threats uh, to them. And so Pastor Doug had to deal with this guy and he was having a real hard time um, <laughs> with not getting too crazy on this guy. And uh, it turns out that, that several months later, I, I ran into the guy, the, the, the dude's dad that was, uh, that was drunk and making threats. And he came up to me like he knew me. I'd never met him and uh, told me who he was. Uh, he knew my son uh, because they all ran in that complex. And uh, he says, I know who you are. I know what you do. I've heard about you. And uh, he looked at me. It's funny. He said the same thing you did. He said, I sense the spirit about you. And he says, I just want you to know everything you've heard, everything that happened back then. He's like, uh, that was that was the old me. And uh, he's, he's like, I know the Lord. I love the Lord. And uh, he's like, we want to start showing up. And he introduced me to his wife. And um, so he starts coming. And Pastor Doug was really nervous when this guy started walking through the doors on well, Sunday well, morning. Do you, do, you, do you feel comfortable sharing the nature of the threat? Because, I mean, <laughs> I was like... Well, well you know. let's just say it was a prison threat. <laughs> was that enough? It was a unique prison threat. And so... Leave it there, won't we? It was hardcore, and this dude meant it. I mean, this dude, this dude has spent more time uh, in the system than he has out, you know, inside the four walls that he has outside the four walls his entire life. He's a pretty rough, dude. And if he, he's one of those guys when you just see, see him, you know what I mean? You want to turn around and walk the other way. He's, he's yeah. gnarly. And so he came in, and Doug was, was pulling us aside and going, I'm having a hard time with this guy being in here. I think he's in here for other reasons, da 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 and it was funny because in boot camp on Friday nights, we were continuing our act series at the time, and we were going through the conversion of Paul. And Paul had been taken back to Jerusalem at that time, and, uh, and everyone was tripping, going, this dude can't come in here. Don't you know who this is? <laughs> and we were going through that at the exact same time. 
as this was all going down. And the next thing we knew, this dude's just a regular. He starts showing up yeah. uh, every Sunday. He's eating up the word. You can see that the spirit's moving in his life, and he's and he's and he's living with this gal that's really rough. She's just um, you you could tell that she had lived a hard life, and and uh, it turned out that, that she was an ex porn star, and that was my first me- wedding that I performed with this gentleman and this woman uh, who had both met the Lord, committed their lives to Jesus, and and yeah. committed their lives to each other. Beautiful. And uh, that's that story. And me and this guy became, uh, you know, good buddies. And uh, so, you know, yeah. it, it's it's so interesting because um, one one of the things that happened just just in closing here because um, we do got to wrap it up. But I can remember before you launched, one of the things that put you on hold was Gage. You mentioned your son. Uh, he was um, he was just he was just off. You know, he was yeah. he was running from God and. Uh, and I can remember saying to you because it was kind of a concern of the, of the mothership, and I just remember weighing through it and thinking, "No, you you haven't. You have led your family as as best as you can, and he's of that age now where he's doing what he's got to do." But I remember getting a prophetic word and just sharing with you. We, it was one of those nights we were meeting around your table, and we were just talking through the ins and outs. And I just said, "I think when you start your church plant, your son's gonna." He's going to get saved. And, and one of the reasons that, that, that kind of verified that for me was I remember when uh, he kind of, he took off, you know, he, he kind of ran off, you know, ran away and took off. And, uh, and, and I can remember um, that, that one of the things that happened to him was he had walked down the road and he had been picked up by a dude who was a born-again Christian. The guy was an ex-con, picked him up, saw him walking down the road. He was hitchhiking, picked him up, and uh, the guy started sharing the gospel. And we heard that secondhand, if you remember. And, right. um, and it was just so obvious. And, and, of course, sure enough, you know, you launched, and uh, Gage saw it, man. It was like it was authentic yeah. Christianity. It was power of God stuff, people's lives being changed. It's not people playing church. I think that's one of the things with the church plan that is so yes. radically refreshing and different for people is that it's, it's literally people, I think in the church plan, you have that opportunity of just getting out of the way and letting yeah. God just turn up, letting the Holy Spirit come, letting God steer everything because you've got no clue what you're doing anyways. Exactly. And you need God. You need God. And so there's this kind of humility in, in this desperation of like, Lord, it's Holy Spirit or bust right now. We need you to turn up. And so, you know, Dave, it, it's been awesome having you on today. Um, I know that our one listener out there, um, Jerry, <laughs> will uh, have appreciated everything that you had to say. And uh, anyways, man, it is it has just been an absolute uh, joy to um, hear you recount these tales. And there's so much more. I mean, I I just know that a lot of this stuff, there's there's so much more to be told and we'll have you Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's a absolute um, privilege on this end and what you guys are doing with Church Planner Magazine. Um, just, you know, where your heart's at, Peyton with the church and, um, you know, calling the church to reform and stuff. God has used it in mighty ways, not just in my life, but in, in one other person's life too. So I just want you to know that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are awesome. Should, Thanks for having me on. We, we should do a, a shameless plug and just let everyone know that there 
there is an article in the, the very first issue of Church Planner Magazine by Dave. So um, yeah. people can get more by, uh, by getting the old Church Planner Magazine. There you go. Absolutely. You know, I, I have to say, I have to say, Dave has the coolest uh, banner for the Book of Jonah I've ever seen in my life. We actually put that in there. It was so cool. Had nothing to do with the article. But we're like, this is just too dang cool. Actually, it did. Go in there. It did. He, he referenced Jonah in the article, and I was like, sweet, I can use the banner. That's my. That was my wife's idea. Uh, we knew that during the summer we were going to go through the Book of Jonah. We got down with Romans. We knew that we were going to go Jonah. And uh, I, I didn't like any of the stuff I saw online, you know, when we got on and started looking at it. So I, all I kept thinking was the Jaws poster that I saw as a kid that used to scare me to death. And I thought, that's just great. And uh, it, was my, it was my wife's idea. So when we brought it up and started looking at it, we didn't realize that there was actually a naked chick swimming up above the shark. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> well, don't, don't look now. So we had to get in there and, and, like, Photoshop the thing and put Jonah, you know, over the top of where this gal is. Um, but I, that's my wife's idea. So, did, uh, did you ever I, think maybe I should have like a picture of naked Jonah or not? <laughs> no, no, uh, there might be a few people at our church that would like that too much. So, uh, we, <laughs> we, we wouldn't go, that right we wouldn't go that way. Yeah. Well, Hey Dave, uh, church planner, pastor of the door, apostolic leader, my brother from another mother. It's been good right. to have you on man. And God bless you. And God bless all the, uh, church planners out there that are doing their thing like Dave and just listen to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music.